Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Penn State fans, Blue White Breakdown time. Dave Jones, Bob Flounders, mid December. It looks like, Dave, there is a snowstorm headed to Pennsylvania. Bowl media day for Penn State, which is Friday, could be in could be in jeopardy. But we're going to press on, Dave. And actually, uh, I just wanted to start uh, our little podcast with not. I think Penn State fans would, would like to to hear from you on this. Mike Leach, the innovative uh, college football coach who's really shaped the game the last couple of decades, uh, passed away. He was coaching at Mississippi State, age of sixty one. Big loss for college football. Colorful guy, uh, outspoken guy, but uh, a guy that really had an impact and will always have an impact on this sport. Yeah, and he was noted by one thing among us. He really didn't give a damn what anyone thought of what he said. He he, he was going to say what he thought. And sometimes it got him in trouble, and he didn't care about that either. The uh, thing with um, Craig James's kid derailed his career unjustly in Lubbock. I was uh, texting with Bruce Feldman and and talked to our old buddy, Steph Lowe, who covered him uh, at the Seattle Times, and she covered the beat back then, and she has story after story after story. The guy was genuinely interested in other people, and I think what sets him apart from a lot of, especially college football coaches, it's just true. I mean, people may not want to believe this, or they... they may not like the sound of it, but a lot of college football coaches, they're like anyone else with 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. They get entrenched and entombed and in this cocoon of what they need to do. And a lot of them in order to get that job in the first place, they're workaholics. They really are. And they become kind of shut off from the rest of the world. Uh, There's a lot of stories of people Dick Vermeil had a famous story. He he didn't understand why. Had <laughs> some was was it was it about the Gulf War? Is that what it was? Ninety one. He didn't. It could have been. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like something Dick Vermeil would say. Yeah. I mean, it, it, he didn't understand why we couldn't practice today or something. I, I can't remember what, it, what the event was, but that's typical of a lot of coaches. Dick Vermeil is a great guy. It's just they they become absolutely consumed by their jobs. Mike Leach never was that way. He was a, a fighter for what he believed. He absolutely worked his ass off and scratched and clawed, as he put it, because he had to. He did three really tough jobs. Can you imagine making it work? I mean, if you had to name three <laughs> the ultimate outposts in Power Five, you might name Lubbock, Pullman, Starkville, would you not? Definitely the first two. Well, Starkville's really hard, man. That's that's it's different from the whole S, uh, the rest of the SEC. 
and it's out in the middle of nowhere and the the fan base is very localized and there's just almost, only so much you can do there so he had to fight as hard or harder than anyone and yet he 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 maintained this perspective on life uh he had all this interest in what you were doing the steph said that when they took have you heard about his walks that he used to take i mean he would walk uh, a lot like Paterno used to, from his house to the office. He did it all the time. And if you wanted to walk with him, you're welcome to come with him and just talk. But he wouldn't talk shop. And Steph said, uh, she was asking about his upbringing in Cody, Wyoming, which had, now it's become kind of like a little resort community, kind of like Crested Butte or uh, some of those places. But back then it had 5,000 people. Before she knew it, she was answering questions about herself, about growing up in Singapore. Steph is our old friend from Penn Live, who went out to the West Coast and is, is doing great now as an entertainment editor out there at the Seattle Times. And before she knew it, she was, she was answering questions about herself because Mike Leach was interested in other people. I don't think you can probably say that about too many other coaches. We might have one, you know, of all the people that you pr could probably have a balanced conversation about something else in life. James Franklin's one of those people. Uh, Paterno used to be one of those people. He loved to talk about all sorts of stuff. Bill O'Brien, I don't know so much, but he, <laughs> what do you think? I want to know what you think about, about uh, who were your favorite coaches you've ever talked to, you've ever talked to in press conferences? He is, but I, well, the one, my, one of the things I would say about Bill is, at Penn State, the beat had him for such a short time that it was it was really hard. I, I would imagine there's a lot to Bill O'Brien, but we just never really got to the point where, you know, it, it was really it was really 18 months or whatever it was that he was in state college. And that's just about the time when they start to let their guard down, if at all. And he, you know, it just hadn't happened yet. But he does seem like a guy that is is very is very familiar with a 75 hour work week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think an eclectic guy. I'm not saying he wasn't because he was. It's just that he was one of those madmen type of guys, I think, more so than most. Anyway, we've been lucky in having, like, not Brian Harson, you know, somebody like that. <laughs> and they are everywhere. They're everywhere in college coaching. A, they really don't have anything on their minds. And B, if they did, they, they wouldn't want to talk about it. I have been trying to do a feature on Kyle Whittingham, and I wanted to start with an interview with him about his career because he stayed in the same place for all this time, and, and he stayed in his home state. And the, the answer I got back from the, the two SIDs, one of the SIDs there was, well, uh, Kyle doesn't really like to talk about his career. So, so they also have these handlers around them who are already shutting down things before they're even they're even considering it. It's become this cocoon where it's like a controlled environment, like like a dome world, and that's the way the people that run it like it because they can control the message, they can control the messengers, and nothing gets out that they don't want out. Mike Leach did not give it in, and that was the best part about him. In an age where especially millennials care so much about what people think about them, and they're constantly looking at social media, wondering, and I've got a 23-year-old, and I'm here to tell you, 
it's a neurosis. It really is. <laughs> this thing, this thing is a neurosis. And the only person I don't know who that I know who doesn't have one is Ray Dinninger. And he's like 76. <laughs> he's 76, you know? It's bad for you. And Mike Leach never bought into any of that. And that's the that's the one thing I loved about him most. Dave, let's talk a little bit about just his impact. Uh, did he ever run the ball one time in his college coaching career? Did he just throw <laughs> it on every play? Like, it just seems that way, right? Do you remember the Michael Crabtree game that in the 07? I mean, what, against Oklahoma? What a great game. Who was, who was the quarterback? I can't think of his name. And, 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 uh, well, I think, I think OU was loaded. Uh, you're right. I can't remember who Texas Tech's quarterback was, but they did have Michael Crabtree. But that was a really good OU team. I just look at the stats. I can't think of the guy's name. You would laugh if you heard it because this was the archetype of the Texas Tech quarterback flinging around. But he had 73 passes in that game. <laughs> I think he threw it even more when he went to Washington State. And they were they were always playing in bad weather. And he still threw it. <laughs> of, of all the coaches that we've dealt with, I think he most resembles probably Joe Tiller. And that that Joe really, you know, anything could pop out of his mouth. And it wasn't that he was trying to bring attention to himself. He just really didn't care whether you whether you liked it or, or didn't like it. He did. He didn't see any reason not to express his feelings because he wasn't worried about what anyone thought about him. That, and that's a that's a great way to go through life. You don't pop off and necessarily talk just to be noticed. I'm not talking about that. But if you've lived a life a while, like Joe Tiller had when he came to Purdue from Wyoming, uh, where, by the way, he was a defensive specialist. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah. Joe Tiller, of all people. Uh, he, he, he had lived life enough to know that, you know, when Lloyd Carr got up there and said, I don't know, this is 1997. And he goes, I don't know if you can come into our league and throw the ball around like that in our weather. <laughs> This is Chicago in 1997, Joe's first year, and he gets up on the podium about 10 minutes later. He goes, I don't know if maybe the the coach uh, from Michigan doesn't know it, but we have bad weather in Wyoming. (laughs) (laughs) His coaching tree is is, you know, it's going to it's going to continue on because there's a lot of young coaches, a lot of innovative coaches that were definitely shaped by Mike Leach. And I mean, look, look at just what we have out there now. You've got Lincoln Riley. I mean, you've got big name coaches. He taught. Now, part of it is that his system has been embraced because it's a little bit trendy, I suppose, right now. But he changed all that. It was not trendy in 1990 uh, when when he began this journey. It certainly wasn't even in 99 and 2000. I think he went to Texas Tech from Hal Mummy's staff in Kentucky. You were you went to that Tampa Bowl, didn't you, with against Kentucky with uh No, that was a little before my time. That was when Lavar and Courtney Brown just beat the crap out of him. Didn't Lavar and, and and Courtney Brown just beat up Tim Couch, yeah. I don't think Tim Couch ever recovered from it. <laughs> he, he might not have. I think he's carried over. You talk about five of the biggest named coaches in, in football right now, or four of the biggest named in college football, it's Lincoln Riley, Josh Heupel at Tennessee, Sonny Dykes at Texas Christian, Dave Aranda at Baylor. 
I mean, then Dave Aranda is a defensive coach. I mean, th- those are big names and all are direct disciples of Mike Leach. Then you got Cliff Kingsborough is have, having kind of a rough year. Cardinals have a lot of injuries, though, right? Is they it- do, but I think that I, th- I think you're right in saying I think the bloom is off the Cl- Cliff Kingsbury Rose at the NFL stage. But still, Neil Brown at West Virginia and uh, Dana Holgerson at Houston, and uh, you know a couple a couple other. Uh, two or three other group of five guys, and it's a hell of a coaching tree. And the difference between that and, say, I used in my column as an example Bob Knight because that's the, the really the, 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 the true example of a guy who maximized his system but then really never taught it. It's almost like Ted Williams as the hitting coach with the Texas Rangers, the manager of the, manager of the Texas Rangers and the Washington Senators before that. If you listen to Ted Williams talk about hitting, I don't know about you, but I can't understand a word he's saying. I I have no idea what he's saying. I know it's not really user friendly. Yeah, no, and he's the greatest hitter of all time. Last guy to hit four hundred, but he can't explain what he does. That is at once a learned craft and a gift. I think to be able to communicate with people and teach them what you know. And, and the air raid system, that's what I concentrated more on than anything else in what I wrote, because I think he's an underrated innovator at a time when really nobody, you remember the Big 12 back then. Uh, Bob Stoops had just left Florida for Oklahoma, and he's pretty much a running and defense guy from Youngstown. And what else did we have? I mean, Tom Osborne was had just left, I guess, at Nebraska, but that system was entrenched there. And and Bill Snyder at Kansas State, that was absolutely a running and defense league. And here comes Leach and turns the whole thing on its head. And by about 06, 07, they didn't know how to handle it. And they went to the Cotton Bowl in 08. That's Mike Leach, man. He did it in an atmosphere where it really, not a, not a lot of people believed in it. And he got it done. Did he win titles? No. Um, and that's probably why he's probably not going to get in the College Football Hall of Fame because he has a 596 winning percentage <laughs> and you have to have a 600. Isn't that stupid? That, that's just a dumb rule because of the impact he had on the game. Now, almost everyone is running at least some version of air raid as far as getting four verts down the field at one point or another during the game. Not like he did it and not throwing it all the time, but to me, it was like, Sid Gilman and what Sid Gilman taught to to uh, everyone on the Raiders staff back in the late 60s, because they just threw it all the time downfield to open up the defense. And they 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 would get the whole field after that. Dave, I think I think if you had your druthers, I think if you could have spent a week covering Mike Leach, I think you would have really enjoyed it because a the access and b. You could have asked him anything or you could have asked him a, a simple question and you could have got a complex answer. You, I just don't think you ever really knew how he was going to answer a question, but it wasn't going to be vanilla. No, and it wasn't going to be sheltered and cautious. That comes from a, a certain amount of confidence. And I think down deep, a lot of these guys making six, seven, eight million know they really don't deserve it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they, they know. They know it's just a really popular business right now, and they happen to hit the gold mine. I think they have a, a, a hidden insecurity that way in that they don't want to expose that there's really not a lot going on in their heads outside of football. <laughs> Mike Leach had a lot. 
a lot going on in his head outside of football. And he was curious. He wasn't one of these incurious dopes that we have to talk to all the time. Who who do you think of there? He's like, I'm not, you, you've gone you're not down naming that names. Road. You're not naming you're names. Not down that road. I am not going down that I'll road. I'll name names. How about Mark D'Antonio? Okay. Remember him? <laughs> <laughs> now, I think maybe Mark had more going on in his head than he let on, but he wasn't going to let on. Well, you know who was part of the Mark D'Antonio coaching tree? The one and only James Franklin favorite, Pat Narduzzi. Well, how about how about above it, Jim Trussell? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's the tree. It's the Jim Trussell tree. Always saying the correct thing. They called him the senator for a reason. You know, people who knew him as the vest around outside of Columbus, but in Columbus they called him the media called him the senator because he always was saying the correct thing and never, never, ever politically incorrect and and always acted thoughtful. <laughs> I was at a I was at a Barnes and Noble getting a book. I can't remember what it was or why the subject came up. And even the the counter clerk knew who Jim Tressel was. And I don't remember why this even came up. And she said, Oh, I like him. And I was, <laughs> I was like, What why does she like Jim Tressel? She doesn't know anything about him. It's because of that that outward demeanor. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's all BS, you know. Dave, real quick, I know that you're you're good friends with Bruce Feldman, who wrote a book with about Mike Leach with Mike Leach, "Swing Your Sword," I think it was called. Did, is there a story or two he shared with you that we'd like to hear? Well, I didn't talk to him at length. I may I mainly just texted him how sorry I was for him because, he, and he said, "I just can't believe that Mike's gone." And, and and it was it's one of the did have you read the book? I have not. I have not. It's one of the single best football books you'll ever read because it goes into the X's and, and O's of the air raid philosophy and why it works or why it, he believed it would work, but also in a Mike as a, as a guy who just didn't care what anyone thought. And it's a great book because. I'll use an example that, that did you ever read Jobs, the uh, the the book about Steve Jobs? The, the I, I watched the movie. I watched the movie, if that counts. Yeah, well, the movie is not nearly as good as the book, but the book included all this stuff that you just couldn't believe was in an authorized, it was an authorized biography. And at the end of the book, I can't remember the author's name now. He, he Jobs is dying of cancer. He's been trying to treat it with uh, a homeopathic medicine or something instead of, and he's going to die. And um, the author, whose name I can't remember, asked him, you know, Steve, we've got to settle up on what I can use here and what I can't. And he'd been talking to everybody all around Apple, all around uh, Pixar and all the places he'd been. And there was a lot, and Steve knew it, a lot of detrimental comments about him and and Jobs looked at him and said, "Just just use all of it." <laughs> so, uh, Isaacson, that was a, the, the Water Isaacson, I think, is yeah, was the author. Yeah, and and he couldn't believe it. And that's if if it, there was that amount of not just access but liberty that Bruce had in Swing Your Sword. So if you ever want to read, and plus the the whole the whole Adam James thing is just incredible how the people in power in Lubbock at the time thought they wanted him out of there. 
and they basically ran him out on a rail for for fabricated stuff that Craig James. Someone someone tweeted me after I wrote my column that you, you left out one thing. The best thing that that Mike Leach ever did was rid us of Craig James in college football. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sorry to see that guy go either. No, no. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. All right, Dave, let's uh, let's let's just work. We have a couple minutes left here. Just generally speaking about this uh, Penn State team. Could you guess the, the betting line on this game right now? The Rose Bowl, Utah. It's the latest up-to-date line. What would you say it is? I haven't considered it, and I haven't looked, so this is good. <laughs> no, it, you know what I mean. It's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, they lost Kincaid. They're, they're a great tight end. And their uh, All-American corner declared yesterday. Those are about even with Parker Washington and, and Joey Porter. Yeah. Maybe Penn fair. State. Maybe Penn State loses a point there because uh, those two guys are really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. How about Penn State minus two? Well, you're right on the two, but Utah is actually favored. I think that's legit. Utah two and a half. Yeah, I, I think uh, that's where I would put it if I was making the line. Or I mean, uh, that's what I think is going to happen. But I was I was putting it where I thought it w- was. No, I think that's legit. What do you What do you think? I think it's, I think it's legitimately uh, like a pick 'em game. I I do. I don't know that I would. I think I would take the points. Whoever was getting points, I think I would take that side. Yeah, yeah. All right, Dave. Let's do the Let's do the semifinals because I think this is another interesting. The the current spreads. Let's go Michigan TCU. What do you got? I would make that Michigan minus seven. You magnificent genius! It's seven and a half. Seven yeah, I haven't looked at any of these. I haven't looked I at any I believe you. When you tell me you haven't spent a lot of time looking at college football, I always believe you, Dave. I always believe <laughs> Especially you. Especially in December, right? I know. I know. I was just teasing. All right. Uh, also, Ohio State, Georgia. How about that one? I would make that. You taught me and Greg taught me to avoid five because it's a dead number. Yeah. The number is almost always going to track towards a like a, a prime betting number. Three, seven, 10, 14, you know, like stuff like that. Because they're common scoring differences, right? Is yeah, that the not only that, but those are also the difference between seven and seven and a half, for example, 10 and 10 and a half. Because, yeah, it, exactly what you said, common scoring differences, correct. Tell me this, because I've never understood it. Why do they ever have one half? Because then the, the house can't get a push on a half. <laughs> uh, there's, uh, there's never a line that's a half. It's either pick them or it's, it could be one. Or it could be one and a half, but you're, I don't think you're ever going to see a half point line. No, I'm talking about anything and a half. Why is that ever a line? Because then the house can't get a push. Well, I mean, it could still influence the game, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Usually, it's not it's not tied to a prime betting number. Usually, it's tied to like six and a half. You know what I mean? Because you could lose by seven. You know what I mean? Or you could lose by six. You know what I mean? But it's not usually tied to like 10 or 7. You didn't explain that at all. So I'm just going to 
I, I don't understand why there's ever anything in a half. Dave, all I did was ask you for the Georgia Ohio State spread. You're, you're, you're trying to throw stuff at me that I just don't want to talk about. <laughs> this is what you do. Well, I, well, the reason I started is that I, I think it's one of those dead numbers. I have a feeling it's Georgia minus five. Six and a half. It's six and a half. Okay. Yeah. I still think that's a little low, but I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe they know something that uh, we don't know about Ohio State. Yeah, I don't think it's low. I, I, I agree with both of those. All right. I just think Georgia's just going to – we'll see. You never know. Ohio State I – I don't think Ohio State played its best game against Michigan, but you got to give Michigan credit for stomping the crap out of them. I Without think they played their game, and that's, that's – it is – they are who we thought they were, at least who right. I thought they were. <laughs> I think I think that's who they are. The Heisman Trophy. Anything? Any thoughts overall? Overarching? What was your Heisman vote? You can. I told you mine last week because I could. None of your three made the. That's five. right. Yeah, I had I had Hooker, Ibrahim, and um, the Alabama Young. quarterback. Yeah. So who did you have? Now did you, you can tell you me. Intended Hooker winning. Yes, I did. Hooker, Mo, Ibrahim, Bryce Young. Yeah. Okay. I went, so I went Caleb Williams one. I was ready. I was ready to, to vote Caleb Williams one until the Utah game. It's not just that. I just, I, I hate the whole, that whole, thing. it uh, infected my thinking so much irrationally. You know, I hate, I, it's just stupidity. Why would you do that? Uh, I went Blake Corum too. I really like Blake Corum, man. I, I really did. And uh, three, my third place vote, usually, I always try and go with a player that I think is underappreciated and legitimately is one of the best players in the country. And I know that if I give him my third place vote, it's going to really have no impact on the Heisman race. You know what I mean? Because it's like one point. Like, it's not just, it doesn't matter. So I, I've been a fan of Brock Bowers, the Georgia tight end. Yeah, and I just think what he does at that position, how he impacts it, it is pretty special. That's interesting. You know, I, I think I had Jordan Davis on my ballot last year for the same kind of reason. And then when he did what he did against Michigan, <laughs> do you remember the play? These guys are really, really good players, oh. but no one watches them play. No one, no one looks at what they're doing. No one looks at their impact on the game. So I was like, I always give my third place vote to somebody that I think, ah, you know what? He's probably not. He's not going to make the top ten, but he's he deserves some consideration. So I gave him my my third place vote. No, I think that's legit. And how can Georgia be this good if none of their guys are no. in the top three? I know, I know. It's, it's, they're, they're guilty because they're, they're, there's too many five stars on that team and they're all overshadowing each other. I don't know. Well, and, and also too many people, con uh, the, look at how many quarterbacks were in the running. I mean, there were, it was basically everybody was a quarterback. And Georgia's quarterback looks kind of like a Wisconsin, or old Wisconsin quarterback in Stetson Bennett. He's a game manager. And that's not sexy. But you know what? I mean, the, the Patriots have that kind of quarterback, and he's in the NFL uh, who used to play in Alabama. And he's – Mac Jones is starting to make a difference there. I know he's not great, but he didn't have much to work with. SEC quarterbacks are like that a lot. And Hendon Hooker really broke the mold, and that's why I voted for him because where is Tennessee without him? Yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, Dave, uh, Mike Leach, Penn State betting lines. 
Uh, national semifinal betting lines, Heisman votes revealed for mid-December. I think it's it's a heck of a blue-white breakdown podcast. So let's start, try and stay out of the bad weather this week and uh, survive till next week. A real reporter would go up there. He wouldn't <laughs> care about it. He wouldn't care about it. Yeah, maybe I will drive up on an east. Uh, did did uh, I ever tell you about the time I went <laughs> up to, during the blizzard of 96 to the basketball game? I was in the Nittany Line Inn for three days. I'll tell you that now. I do remember that storm. Were you really up there? Oh, yeah. I was stuck in the Nittany Line Inn after the Wisconsin game. Dick Bennett's post-game press conference, the last game in Rec Hall, uh, January 9th, 1996. And Dick Bennett said at the end, his, his press, co- press conference lasted 30 seconds. He answered like one question and said, I got to tell you, I'm getting out of this town now if I have to thumb. So if there's nothing else, then where he and he made it out. There was already like nine inches on the ground. There was going to be 25 and 38 on my house in Edders on Valley Green Golf Course, hole number four on the ridge top. Uh, and 51 over three days. 51 inches. We had more, I think we had more snow than anybody in the uh in the in the entire York. Lebanon, Lancaster, Harrisburg, Metroplex. Uh, it was it was incredible. We couldn't get the. And I lived up on a hill too. Couldn't get couldn't get back. Dave, I have to mention one. Now that you mentioned weather, uh, I have to conclude this podcast with one weather story. I just started working at the Patriot News. I think it was it was April of ninety three. So there, apparently there was a really bad storm in the last two years before I got there, and I I got indoctrinated into. The Nick Horvath wrath because there was a snowstorm. I it was think. March ninety three, man. It was the blizzard of ninety three. Yeah, so I, I just missed it. I come up there and people are telling me about. I don't want to mention any names. Nick warned <laughs> some staffers to get, make sure they got in to put the paper out. Let's name names. It was Jay Rots and Tom oh, Flynn. Oh, you name names, and they didn't make it in, and they were they were in the Nick Horvath doghouse for a long, long for years. Time. For years. He never let him forget it. You never get out. You never be in a Bobby Knight's doghouse. <laughs> that's that's when he started out with, okay, two things are gonna be true about this, and that's that I'm gonna be doing the talking and you're gonna be doing the listening. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. I was scared I was pretty much scared witless of Nick then for the next ten you, years. You basically lived on Market Street. Yeah, you, you, I know. I, that's why I always. That's how I always hung out in the bars by uh, the Patriot News in case I had you to. Can walk, you can walk back. Yeah, Jay and Tom lived down where I did in Edders. They lived like a you know half a mile from me. They couldn't get back. Ew. Ew. All right. On that note, Davo, I'll talk to you next week, early next week. All right. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Pen Live. <laughs>